we will uh, compete against uh, Sony and Nintendo. So uh, uh, we have uh, a big confidence that uh, we can win. Who's going to fail? <laughs> <laughs> I don't say uh, the uh, uh, specific name, but uh, we will survive. Hey, you. Dearly beloved gamers, we welcome you to another episode of the Sega Guys podcast. For those that don't know me, I'm Dan. My last name is Driver. My middle name isn't legally Mega yet, but we're working on that. In the meantime, we have my co-host, the Sonic to my shadow. He's been in rehab, but there's no cure for the addiction that he's got. It's James the Sega-holic. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm very well, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's... Um, I don't know where you would go for an, an addiction to Sega, but yes, the, the Sega-holic is in the house, uh, and we're, we're ready to get into a, what I think is our first ever kind of Dreamcast-centric episode. We have done, obviously, the, the kind of the two parts at the very the very start of this podcast, but um, we've never actually taken the time to, to celebrate the life of the Dreamcast, and that's exactly what we're going to do today, because... If you'd like to enlighten our listeners as to what has prompted this particular episode, yeah. So if you're listening to this on the on the day that we're planning to release it, then it would have been exactly 20 years since, very sadly, the last Dreamcast was manufactured and Sega ceased production of consoles. Um, it's a very bitter pill to swallow. That is, it was at the time, and thinking back, it even is now. And even though we've had the Astro City Mini, we've had the Mega Drive Mini, we've had the Game Gear micro which i think you can play with tweezers and a, and a microscope <laughs> <laughs> you, we just haven't had a, a a real sega console since then so sega obviously after then they supported the dreamcast until the end of the year pretty much and uh, then went third party but we're not here to mourn the dreamcast we're here to celebrate it um now we had had celebration celebratory anniversary once for the mega drive saturn for their birthdays but because this is so, this is the anniversary of the Dreamcast's untimely demise, it's season of production on the 31st of March. This is going to be a little different. So rather than us go through a bit of the history, of like a standard retrospective, we're just going to talk through our journey. And we're going to do that kind of in, in three parts. Um, so we're going to do the before segment, in which we're going to cover our first memories of the system, when it first got announced, how we found out about it, as well as picking up and playing our, our import consoles. So, because this is a UK podcast, we will memorize the, the UK, we'll respect the UK and US launch dates, but because we're such eager beavers, we uh, we picked up our Dreamcast early. So, while everyone in the West was patiently waiting on that on that due date, we were uh, we were rubbing Sega's belly, singing to it, feeling it kick, <laughs> doing our Lamar's classes, <laughs> all that pre-birth stuff. So um, <laughs> push, push. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be our pre-life. Then we've got the life of the Dreamcast. We'll talk about you know post the Western launch, and of course, then we'll talk about the afterlife, which happened after after we uh, after Sega ceased production of the machine. Uh, so I think it's going to be an interesting show, mate. It will be. Um, it's kind of good to get in there and and get some, I think, kind of experience of people like ourselves out there because I think I don't see a lot of content out there by people who lived it at the time who were absolutely buzzing to get it, who 
imported it, who saved up for it, who, did, who didn't want to wait until 1999, who just had to have it. Someone like myself who had to have Virtua Fighter 3. I needed to have Virtua Fighter 3. Um, you know, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a good one. I, I've been looking forward to, to getting into it since we announced we were going to do it. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a, a shotgun episode in a way because you kind of came to me two days ago and I said, <laughs> do you think we can do this? No, why not, you know? Yeah, I think so, mate, because, yeah, it's it's funny because what prompted this is not just the anniversary of the season of production, but also because, as we'll get onto when we do the Bullock before, before Life segment, we both imported our Dreamcasts around this time as well. So we had pretty much, you know, two full years of it before it ceased production. But, I mean... The Dreamcast community is wide and varied and diverse, and there's a load of opinions in there, uh, which is fantastic. And another thing is that, unlike the Sega Saturn, there's a lot of people that came to the Dreamcast that weren't Sega fans, which, again, superb. If only there's a few million more of those, it would be a very different story today. Where were you when we needed you? You know what I mean? Come on. It's like, I feel that what's her name? What's the Norwich City chairwoman? Oh, Delia. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, but again, that's one of the brilliant things about the Dreamcast community is there's such a diverse range of opinions. But um, yeah, I don't think, I think our stories with the Dreamcast, although mine and yours are spookily similar, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think there are too many out there that have similar memories to ourselves. So yeah, I think with all that said then, mate, let's get into the, the pre-life segment. CD. だって言うならうたうさ。なろうじゃないか。みんなのおもちゃに。だってやるよ。しかしな。本当にドリームキャストのことを考えるなら、300万ポリゴンの究極の画像、インターネット、通信ゲーム対戦。どういうことを伝え
it is, it's a, it's a great issue. Um, and again, it was just looking at those demos. You had the, the Edie Majiri um, head demo. You had the, the Towers of Babylon demo as well, um, which kind of showcased, you know, obviously the, 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 the kind of polygon power of the system swooping down through this, you know, detailed village and whatnot. Um, and then obviously there was the the tech demo of Scud Race, which criminally never, ever came to anything in terms of an actual yeah. game. But I, I just remember the the screenshots of it. Um, and obviously there's been videos that have leaked uh, onto YouTube kind of years later of the, not the greatest of quality, but they're, they're still great to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it was just, for me, it was it was seeing those, those kind of changes, the screenshots in the magazines of, of obviously Virtua Fighter 3, um, you know, saying um, Eos stage. I remember she was quite heavily featured. I think it was Sega Saturn Magazine did a, a feature um, and it was just basically her standing on our, our snow stage and they were talking about how our, our, our sleeves would drape down. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was Richard Lidbetter that actually did the piece on it, but they were, they were waxing lyrical about the fact that as, as she moves in our, our kind of demo segment, that the, the sleeves would... would flow and move like real like real clothing you know and this was mind-blowing the hair was meant to be you know a, a step above anything that had ever come before um and to see such lifelike at that time you know fighters um and, and a, an arcade beat em up was just unbelievable um and then obviously there was a talk that it was coming to, to dreamcast and then you know, being the massive Virtua Fighter and Virtua Fighter 2 fan on the Sega Saturn, I just, I had to have that game. So that was the kind of the earliest memories of it. It was very much, it was very much just a get, get me Virtua Fighter 3. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> it, it was get, get that arcade, that Model 3 arcade home. Um, and then obviously you had the, the kind of, the tease of Scud Race, which as we said, sadly never came to anything other than a tech demo. Yeah, it's so frustrating that there's got to be a, a a build of that somewhere. I mean, come on, we're getting all this stuff onto on the system now, which we'll cover in the last segment. But one day, please, someone find that Scud race somewhere. It's on a dev kit somewhere. It has to it's be. Got to be. <laughs> if you if you if you've got a dev kit in your bin somewhere, please check it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but mate, I'm on the same as you. Uh, it was through Sega Saturn magazine. I didn't have Edge at the time, although someone else was collecting edge and he showed me and I, yeah th- that front cover sega is dead long live the dreamcast it's so iconic uh, so eye-catching um but yeah my first view of it was the the sega saturn magazine report from from the conference with Aaron Majuri's head and obviously it's you know 20 years ago 23 years ago now if we'd Nowadays, we just go on YouTube and we look at the announcements on there and we can see the gameplay. Oh, wow. But then even just seeing the stills, it looked so incredible. Uh, seeing this this build of Sonic running around him with Jury's head and the, and, the, and the towers and the scale of it. Um, seeing Scud Race on it, you know, the Model 3 game, because we're still in this era where Model 3, where the arcade was so, still so far above, you know, current consoles. And the other thing is, we were only two years removed from the launch of the, of the N64. Um, you compare Killer Instinct to, to Virtua Fighter Three, and it's, it's such a generational leap. You'd think exactly. that how quick, how fast technology was moving in two years. But um, yeah, I was absolutely like, I, I had to have the console. Uh, it was the first thing in my head. And then you had the month where it was obviously announced, 
and I believe the month after that was that the Godzilla magazine episode uh, issue. Yes, aye, aye, that's right. Yep. And at the back of that one, I never forget it. There was the the the, the sonic eyes with the with the green pupils, and um, <laughs> I kind of lost my mind knowing that that was coming. And that's the one I remember most vividly because I used to. We, at, that, at this point, obviously, the Sega, Sega Saturn's flagging in the West. Um, it's pretty much dead. Um, but we're still, me and my friend were importing Sega Saturn games then. We'd had our consoles modded. Uh, we'd go down to Tottenham Court Road in London, uh, hop on the bus and hop on the uh, underground. Um, and I remember I picked that magazine up when we were on our way down there. And uh, I, I can't actually remember walking to, it was CEX actually. A computer exchange in Tottenham Court Road when they used to do imports and console mods and loads of lovely stuff they probably wouldn't touch with a barge pole right now but uh, I don't even remember walking to the store I just remember my eyes being glued to these four or six pages of Sonic Adventure screenshots like I need this I need this now what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> it's it's out in November right November that no what do you mean we've got to wait until like September in, in, in next year no I need it now <laughs> <laughs> and that that's the thing that I, I do miss that whole and maybe it's just people might say an old funny duddy and get with the times and stuff like that but you know that that's one of the kind of things that I really do I really do miss in terms of like gaming and I know it's like a bit kind of crap having to wait a year to get something but the the coverage of the Japanese launch was always you know so much of a an allure to it you know it was Japan was where the latest technology came from, the latest games came from. So, you know, it was an the Japanese launch was an event unto itself. It was exciting because it was something so new, and I think gaming's lost a wee bit of that. Um, the fact it's become so so global and so connected. Um, there's that. It's not for me uh, as exciting. Uh, and you're right, seeing those screenshots of of Sonic Adventure, it was like having, you know, missed out on a proper Sonic game on, on the Saturn to actually be sitting here going, oh my God, look, it's, it's not just a proper Sonic game, but the, the whole cast is in it, you know, and there's new characters and, you know, it just, it looked absolutely incredible at that time. It did, mate. And again, completely agree with you about that gaming has lost a bit of its luster now. I mean, we we don't even get surprise announcements now. We, we, everything is leaked beforehand. And I know there was a bit of leaking in those days. But, you know, you get leaked dates, leaked uh, screenshots, leaked info. But you know everything about a game before it's even announced these days. Um, which, you know, people are hungry for information. But at the same time, you lose a little bit of the mystique. It feels a bit like, you know, you're watching a stage show and the curtains are pulled back and all you're seeing is the scaffolding and the props and everything. It's lost a little bit of its magic a little bit. It's a little bit too transparent. Whereas then, you know, you had the magazines and they were your portal to, to seeing what the latest gaming news was, what was coming, what the latest technologies were, what was happening, you know, on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an exotic place in Japan. I mean, it's no lie that, that when people say, it's no exaggeration when people say the world's a lot smaller now. You know, it, it, it really is. Oh, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely has lost a little of that luster. But, yeah, I mean, it's. I think we both wanted games in that launch window then didn't we i mean you wanted virtual fighter 3 and uh i wanted sonic adventure sonic adventure so much um because yes yeah, like you said we missed out on getting a sonic game for the saturn i was i think even in 1998 i was holding out that the sonic jam demo or the, or the hub world would get turned into a jack game obviously that would <laughs> never happen um but this 
felt like a continuation of it felt like that but you look at the screenshots in those days and it was just you know these huge vast stages that dwarfed what we'd seen in other games like mario 64 before they were absolutely huge built for his speed and it was just yeah i, I needed that game so much um but when it got when it, when it launched in japan um it seemed pretty much un, unobtainable i mean we know about those the shortage of the chips and everything that impacted them don't we yes yeah I mean, it's, I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's what's interesting as well, mate, is the fact that the two games that we both wanted the system for are two of the games which, in the modern day Dreamcast community, that actually looked down on. Yeah, very you true. Know, it's, it's two games which are lamented as being inferior or buggy, um, and again, yet yeah, here we are painting a picture as to how absolutely sought after for us these two games were. You know, it's, again, you go back to, I mean, I've got Virtua Fighter 3 running right now. I was playing it for maybe half an hour before we, we came on to start recording. <laughs> um, and I've just got it running just now and I'm looking at it and it's it's absolutely glorious. Um, it's, it's a port that takes a lot of shit wrongly. Um, it's subject to a lot of revisionism and Genki gets shot on for it being a bad port because there's clipping and or s- certain moves, the timing's a wee bit wrong on them. And it's probably people who have never played the arcade version compared to the Dreamcast version, but I've read this somewhere on some forum um, and are reciting it as kind of fact that oh, there's several moves. Wolf's uh, suplex is 0.25 seconds out when going from a hold combo into a throw. I mean, shut the f- you know it's like no it's it's i don't know where these people get this information from but it's the the time that genki had to put that port together there's a video on youtube and it's got the model 3 version and it's got the dreamcast version and they're side by side and yeah okay it's a small it's a small window if you watch on a phone or a tablet but i would challenge anybody to blow it up on a, a big screen tv like i have and run it at its highest quality and, and sit there and you tell me that you can see obvious and clear-cut differences that make this a bad port. It's it's a case of it came out in Japan on its own and it was on its own as the only beat up for a fair few months until Soul Calibur appeared. And I think you, you've got to look at Virtua Fighter 3 on its merits of when it launched and what was alongside it and what it was running beside from the, the generation that we had only just left weeks or months before. Yeah, I mean, if you the, the mad thing is about Virtua Fighter 3 is it came out the same year as, as Tekken 3. Um, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's a generational leap, no matter, how, no matter how you look at it. Because, I mean... That you say about looking on your looking on your phone, and uh, you know most any co- any coverage in any sort of comparison video is going to be emulated either through Mame or Supermodel. But let's be honest, we're, people are emulating these. No one's doing it on a sub HD monitor. No one's doing it on a CRT and capturing it that way. Um, I challenge anyone to to put a, v, a, a Dreamcast going through VGA or RGB, however you want to do it, next to an actual Model Three cab and yeah you couldn't tell the difference but yeah you're right mate both of those games took uh took a lot of uh a lot of criticism um more now than than back then because uh, sonic sonic um 
launched the rave reviews. Everyone was lauding it, saying it's, you know, doing for the Dreamcast what Mario did for the N64. Um, yeah, I think the game rankings on Metacritic ranking was uh, over 90%. Um, it was a critical success. And again, <clears throat> I think it's a lot of people coming in, you know, maybe they didn't play Virtual Fighter 3 in the arcades, maybe they're just playing on MAME and, you know, on the high res displays we have now, the differences may be more apparent. But similarly, playing Sonic Adventure, if you've only played the DX version or the PC version or the version that's on Xbox Live or PSN, those are inferior versions. I mean, there's, there, there are multi-hour long videos that document why those versions are inferior. Um, but those games were, they were system systems and they were hits. And the, the, the thing is that I think is lost a bit in time is that they came out in 1998 not 1999 we didn't get we didn't get those into in the west until nine months later and of mm -hmm. course by then you know we were pretty much in the second wave of dreamcast games and they've lost a, a bit of their luster that's it i mean the the gap where we talk about you know obviously that kind of allure of the japanese launch and the, the new technology and, and getting your hands on it a bit earlier but yeah uh in retrospect looking at that you know maybe the the gap is what wasn't too kind you know that that kind of you know almost a year-long gap between between launches maybe that wasn't the kindest to it but you're right about the the versions of sonic adventure that are used as the kind of the blueprint or the template for you know as you, you mentioned the gamecube versions the xbox 360 versions the versions that now exist on on um xbox one and, and, and series consoles through backwards compatibility um, they're not the the best versions of the game. The best version of the game is the Dreamcast original. Yeah, the Japanese one as well, because even the Western version was butchered. <laughs> aye, aye. Um, so if, yeah, cutting room floor's got loads of loads of changes on that. But um, yeah, I mean, both of those. Sonic Adventure was late December, wasn't it, in Japan? Yes. Uh, Virtua Fighter Three, obviously a launch game. Um, I don't know if you were like me and tried to look at what it would have been to, to try and buy one of the launch consoles at the time. Um, well, I'd seen the, the Japanese system when it came into CA Games, which is the the old faithful local independent who, as I've said before, is, is no longer in business, sadly. But he, he'd uh, he been doing imports since the Mega Drive days. And I remember whenever he got the system in, obviously I'd seen Virtua Fighter 3 running on there. Uh, he had a wee 14 inch or 16 inches, a wee CRT up in the, the far left hand corner of the shop with the Dreamcast sitting beside it. But it was the, the first actual game that I played on on a Dreamcast was a quick shot of Sonic Adventure up at CA Games. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just, I, <laughs> I just like, Charlie, can shop's quiet, can I make it a wee shot? Aye, on you go then, right? Fine, five minutes. And I just remember playing that first level. You know, everybody that knows that first level, you know, the you, you kind of you get through your story and tales crashes. He's playing and oh, Shogun, I won and all that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you start your your mission and the, the whale and the crashing and the planks going everywhere and just your eyeballs are literally just melting. You know, in front of oh, you. Yeah. So yeah, it's just what 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 a time. Indeed, mate. I mean, I remember. I remember. I was like, "Well, I need one of these on launch. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get one." Um, so November re rolled around, um, and then as we got to the launch, I just remember they were going for. I think there was an advert in CVG, 
and it was £999 to get one. <laughs> at the time, I was working part-time in a warehouse because I was still a student and <laughs> there's just no chance of me being able to afford that. Um, so, yeah, I, I had to wait, but I, I was just, you know, eyes pressed up firmly against the shop window, I think, um, trying to, tr- willing, it, willing it to somehow land in my lap. But um, I did have to wait a little longer. Yes, I mean, eventually, I, I mean, I got mine. I think I just get maybe like a tenner's change, a five hundred quid. Um, it was at four eight five. I'm sure I was, um, and that was with Virtua Fighter three, um, and and the the step down converter for it as well, um, and the the big orange box the, mm. with the Sega then Sega president on the the, the side of it. Who obviously oh, had got been, one of those ones. Yeah, it was with the the, the different pictures of, from the the adverts. Um, on the back, Amazing. so that was, was lovely, lovely packaging as well. Um, the kind of nice, big, big, bright orange box with the kind of panels on the back with, with the different pictures of him on there. Nice clear handle on the top, um, and just kind of the, the very similar kind of box to the the Series X kind of packaging. A big like, kind of flip open kind of box. Mm. Um, I just. Oh, great, great memories carrying that box home. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 crazy when you're talking about the prices at launch. You know, to I, I had no idea there were shops quoting that kind of money. I mean, I never seen any going for that. It was always running about the kind of. I remember, I'm sure I remember Charlie at one point asking for five fifty for one, and then it went to sub five hundred. Um, and at that time, I just remember I just started, just just left left college, was working part-time and it was my second year at uni. Um, worked in Safeway. There you go. Safeway. <laughs> Safeway. Safeway in Annie's land, mate. Uh, I'd started kind of putting money by um, and it was obviously my birthday's in May. So early, early April, um, my my mum and my uncle basically decided to, to match what I had saved. And, and let me kind of get it as a, an early birthday present. So that was how I managed to get my hands on it. But I, it's it, it mental, mental. I never ever seen anything close to a grand. That's just mental. No, it was, it was, I mean, it was a very early, I think if anyone wanted one before Christmas, looking at like the mail order adverts that are in CMVG, that's what they were going for. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not getting one of those then. I didn't even look, I didn't even <laughs> see one in CEX. Um, I think, it was Christmas or getting onto Christmas. And I think my mate and I had stopped going as much to see X. We'd go there every other weekend, but I think we were both, you know, trying to save up for a Dreamcast. Um, and I think eventually we saved up enough because we we're both, you know, fr- we were friends since we were about 10 or something. We both went, to, we both work in the same warehouse part-time, both at school. Um, and then we saved up enough. He saved up enough that um, he, uh, went down to the we said George you want to come down to Watford with me because uh, CX had just opened a new store there um so we jumped on the bus went to Watford uh and lo and behold they had the Dreamcast in there um now this is this this is the same friend who I had the uh if anyone knows my Panzer Dragoon story (laughs) (laughs) he's the uh he's the one that bought Panzer Dragoon and we were going to swap afterwards (laughs) but um yeah he um he'd saved up a little bit before me so we went up to Watford. It was like, what games do you want? And straight away, he was like, Sega Rally. And um, 
uh, and Sonic Adventure. Uh, he traded in, and I think that was a kick a, a bit as well. He traded in his entire Saturn collection. Oh no! Everything. It was a modded Saturn. Um, top modded Sega Saturn, region three, um, sixty hertz mod. Uh, things like X Men versus Street Fighter. I think he had a copy of Capcom Generations. He had, he had all sorts in there. Amazing. He had Deep Fear. Oh my the, god! Uh, the PAL version. Um, uh, yeah, he paid loads of stuff, um, and got and had to pay cash as well for the Dreamcasts. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. So t- I mean, that, that's that's crazy to think CEX would actually take modded consoles. You kind of give them a, a phone with a scratch in it without them taking 50 <laughs> quid off it now. Yeah, different age, mate. They, I mean, they modded them themselves. Although, to tell you the, to tell you the truth, actually, the, the 60 hertz switch had been broken on it. Uh, I think it had been pushed in a little bit, and they wouldn't take it. Um, and they would have only given them a tenner for it anyway. I remember vividly. So we took it back and sold, we sold it to one of our other mates for a tenner, but unbelievable, mate. A yeah, tenner for the console? Yeah, a tenner for the console. God knows how much it was for everything. But you paid a lump of cash and all these Dreamcast games, uh, Saturn games for a Dreamcast. We jumped on, hops on the bus, came back. Uh, he put it on in his front room. Sonic Adventure, obviously. Um, it was in black and white on his living room telly. Um, and uh, so, but we were playing it like that for a second. His mum and dad were watching. His older brother and his mate was there. And we were doing the Sonic bit. Um, the first level on Sonic, and when the dolphins like jump over over Sonic as he's running towards the end, uh, his brother's mate went, "This part is pure eye candy," <laughs> 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 uh, which we always have a little laugh about. But um, it, yeah, he, I mean, it, he was just saying what we were all thinking, as cheesy as it sounded. Um, then we took it upstairs. He did got the VGA to cable, so I was like, oh, "Mate, do you mind if I do you mind if I stay the night?" So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're playing it on the on the. We didn't have any sound because we're playing it on an old uh, VGA monitor. Um, yeah, playing it to the early hours of the morning, Sonic Adventure. And I remember I'd woke up before him, um, and I was uh, uh, I, I just turned it on myself. He's like, oh, do you have to stop playing that now? <laughs> yes, I yes. am not. I am not here for your company. <laughs> I, I am here for your Dreamcast. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh. it's it's quite quite interesting. You you know, you're also sort of kind of a, a powerful school as well because, like, basically, me and my best mate Sam, we we stayed like two blocks apart, so it was literally mm. like a like a two or three minute walk, um, and we would just I'd go down to his. We would take a walk into into party and up through party into Byers Road to where. Where Charlie was was based, it was been like kind of like a forty forty five minute walk, um, yeah. just you know, chatting rubbish about games and stuff like that. Just again, just the things that you did before we all had our faces stuck to our phones. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, know. Uh, actual real conversations. But you know, they they are some of the the, the best days in my life. Honestly, like, especially with my youth and that just. Carefree, no responsibilities, just chatting to your pal about games, taking a walk up, and and that excitement about knowing that that day was Charlie's delivery day. So what was coming in for Japan that day? What, what new stuff was coming in? Um, and then the kind of buzz that you might get a shot of the Dreamcast if the shop was empty. You know, if it was quiet. You know, just great times. <laughs> yeah, mate, absolutely. I mean, it's the reason why I can recall these moments so vividly, and uh, the last. I don't know 20 years or so i've been a complete blur <laughs> but uh yeah it's um it's a different time and a marvelous time i mean 
I had to have my Dreamcast. It was a couple of weeks later, I think. And I'd actually been, we'd both been paid then. So obviously it was naturally back up to CEX in Watford. And I was checking the dates the other day um, because similar to you, mate, we were going up there to see what they, that I was going to get a Dreamcast. I, after playing his, I had to have it. Like there was no, there's no stopping me. <laughs> um, and he was going up because he wanted to see what was new. But when we went in there, um, I went, I was like, right, I need to get a Sega Dreamcast, Sega Rally, Sonic Adventure, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Rally, Sonic Adventure. Right, go in there. Uh, brand new on the shelf, just been released. House of the Dead 2 with a gun. <laughs> um, now, it stings when I think of this because I traded in um, X-Men Children of the Atom, which was a Japanese disc only. I you know, didn't miss that. got a few quid for it. Uh, I traded in uh, Hardcore 4x4, which, you know, no one cares about that. <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I, I thought I thought you were going to start ramping up here, mate. I'm like, he's he's hit me with he's hit me with the shite first before he he starts to hurt me with what he actually get ready. Like, go yeah. on. What, what, what's... And, yeah, uh, and the PAL version of Burning Rain, uh, the PAL version of Dragon Force. <laughs> oh, now, between the between those games alone has three hundred quid now. But again, I think I've got about twenty quid for each of them. Jesus. <laughs> Now, how much? Uh, how much were they asking for? For House of the Dead, with the House of the Two was seventy quid. Uh, uh, Charlie was sixty-five. Aye. Yeah, the the Dreamcast itself was one ninety-nine then, um, but then you had to get your Scott lead, like the special Scott lead, so you know it would work on a, a, a one of our tellies. And you had to get your step-down converter and everything else, your VMUs. So all in, I was well well over three hundred after with house of the dead which is you know crazy thinking back now and i think it was my mate charlie who, who convinced me to get house of the dead because uh, i think we both saw it there you know in the glass cabinet above the till <laughs> so you got to get i said yeah but i want sonic adventure so you can have you can borrow my sonic adventure anytime i've finished sonic adventure get house of the dead. so yep i uh, walked went home great big carrier bag brand new japanese sega dreamcast in it uh sega rally and uh and house of the dead too um, straight home. I uh, had a, I knew why Telly would accept the signal because I've been messing around with imports for a while. But um, yeah, oh, God, that was a magical day, mate. Absolutely magical. Yeah, I, I remember whenever I got um, my copy of of House of the Dead Two as well. It was there was a a DVD shop right beside Charlie's called Movie Heaven. Um, and again, this is kind of before DVD had come out over here. So, but Monko he'd a a region one DVD player. Um, he used to go up there and, and basically buy two or three movies, uh, region one discs. Um, and the entrance to, to Rana's short Rana who owned movie heaven was right diagonally across for Charlie. So Monko's in Rana's talking about films. I'm like, I don't want to talk about films and DVDs, man. I'm, I'm getting into Charlie's to look at games. And, uh, there was just one copy of the, the, the box set. Um, and you know yourself, the the Dreamcast gun in Japan was the white box with the the kind of the the grey kind of sort of silver outline of the the gun itself, with the with the yeah. orange kind of little logo in the corner, and then it had a sleeve over it, um, and it was sixty four ninety nine, and it was just one copy. And I'm just standing there looking at it, um, and again, spoiled spoiled James, his uncle comes in and goes, "What's that you're looking at?" Uh, Find that game we played at, at Booths, House of the Dead 2. It's on the Dreamcast now. Do you want it? 
<laughs> yes. So um, that's how I, I get my copy of that. So um, I didn't. I didn't have to resort to to giving CEX pal copies of Dragon Force for twenty quid. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, um, but oh, I mean, uh, uh, something else that's quite funny as well. Here's a question. Today we all use the term VMU, right? But I didn't call them VMUs back in the day when I had it. When when did we stop calling them the VMS? <laughs> Do you know? I thought I always called mine the VMU. Yeah. VMs. So it's kind of VMU has kind of just become the norm, but I always remember them being unveiled as a visual memory system. Yeah, it was. It was. I think. I think it was sold as the visual memory unit. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. do you know what we just called them memory cards anyway? <laughs> aye, aye. So, what were your next games, then, mate? So, you obviously you picked up House of the Dead too. Uh, in terms of order, I got them in. I mean, I got some games new, like House of the Dead too. Other games I picked up second hand because Charlie used to do um, really good deals on second hand games. I got Crazy Taxi for thirty five, which was an absolute steal. Yeah, uh, I got Virtua Striker two for thirty. Um, and the absolute best bargain and Sam I know you're listening to this because I've told you about this episode you're going to listen because you listen every week and every time we do a show Partick Game Station right I swear to God there was a shop right it was a wee Jamaican guy that ran it right and he never had a clue right he didn't have a clue but he had he opened up this wee shop it used to be like a charity shop when it was tiny and he barely renovated it and he just stuck random games on shelves and he had no idea right I swear to God, he looked like Professor Professor Kefe for Jet Set. <laughs> Honestly, man, just the most chilled out guy ever, but he didn't have a clue what he was selling. And it was on the way, on the right-hand side, on the Barton Road, walking up towards Byers Road in Partick. And for me, Sam takes a saunter in, he nudges me and he goes, that's a copy of Soul Calibur. I'm like, that's <laughs> 70 quid up in Charlie's. 35 quid. <laughs> Mate, I've never bought something so fast in my life. I was, my palms were sweating <laughs> as I was paying for it. You know, it was just, it was crazy. The guy had no idea what he was selling. He went out of business about six months later, and no wonder. No, no wonder. <laughs> um, but I remember getting Soul Calibur, brand new and sealed for 35 quid. Oh, sealed, uh, well. sealed, mate. Um, and then the funny story about that is um, we went home. I remember taking my Dreamcast down to Sam's. And we set it up in his his living room, um, and we we're playing it in there. <laughs> and I thought my Dreamcast was faulty because I'd never heard it making that noise before. But we all know now that Soul Calibur goes <laughs> right because it's reading the disc that bloody fast. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I'm going, "Oh, that sounds a bit iffy. Maybe he sold me a dodgy copy." But it turned out that it, it obviously wasn't. But um, I just. I kind of I dabbled a bit in the kind of I get the occasional new game, um, but um, Charlie obviously did a, a great selection of um, second-hand Japanese games, mm. and then obviously picking up Soul Calibur for an absolute steal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of mine was second-hand. I mean, the first game that I got after House of the Dead, and this one I do remember vividly, is it was another. I think it was about a month later, another payday. Another saunter up to Watford on the um, on the two nine two and one four two buses, um, and I uh, see this great big white box with a fish on it, <laughs> <laughs> and that was seventy quid. 
of a get bass. I saw it and I was like, I need that. And that one, Fish. Was, oh, right, that that one. I think a few of us went up there because it was in the middle of like the Pokemon craze, and a few mates wanted to get Pokemon or something. So there's quite a few of us, and we all went back to my mates afterwards, uh, put the, put it in the Dreamcast, and mate, we were absolutely roaring, absolutely roaring with laughter. <laughs> mate. It was so much fun. Um, Australia. I remember where I bought it in Computer Exchange in Watford, and next door was Cash Converters. So I paid seventy quid for um for for get bass, <laughs> and then we we thought it'd be a laugh to go into cash converters with this brand new thing from Japan, and ask them how much they give us to it. What did they offer you? They they he didn't he, he didn't offer answer. He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you I'll give you twenty quid for it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, anyone that's following me on Twitter will know that I, I picked up the big box recently from, um, from Japan. Uh, just had to have it again because, uh, again, it's one of these things that holds a load of nostalgia for me. And I've got, I've got it on the Wii. I've got it on Steam. I've got it on the Xbox. Uh, like it's backwards compatible. You cannot beat playing it with the rod on a Dreamcast. It's still just <laughs> an incredible experience. So yeah, I got. <laughs> I think that was the last new game I bought. And then as the months go went on, I think I'd buy them in two. So I've got Marvel versus Capcom and Incoming, which were pretty cheap. And then I've got Power Stone. Yes. And then funny thing, I mean, this obviously we're coming up to the sort of present, the, the life of the Dreamcast days. Um the first, the last buy I got before the Dreamcast sort of released in the West. Uh yeah, Power Stone and Virtual Fighter Free Team Bell. Um, and it's quite interesting because I wasn't following the Western news so much. Same. I was following, I was following the Japanese stuff. Um, so I'd seen previews of this game, you know, this fighting game, Soul Calibur, that everyone was raising. But I, was, well, I didn't think Soul Blade. I thought Soul Blade was all right. But, you know, all of a sudden Soul Blade releases in, or Soul Calibur, sorry, releases in August. The price of Virtua Fighter 3 comes crashing down. I'm like, yep, thank you. I'll, I'll have that. Oh, Project Berkeley, <laughs> what's this? This is very interesting. <laughs> oh, that, that double that double dual case presentation for the Project Berkeley editions is gorgeous. That's the one that came with, with my console as well. Yeah, uh, that's the. I, I had to get it again. Uh, I had it on. I had Virtua Fighter 3 Team Battle on Power by. Again, it's. I have so much affinity for that for that era, and it was just a few. It's, five six months between when i got my console and the japanese launch but i have such an affinity for the japanese games and that's how i experienced my dreamcast in that in that era mm-hmm. um it was just the japanese stuff and i i was acutely aware of some of the stuff that that um you know i, I think there was a preview of dc uk or official dreamcast magazine and i'd picked it up and had a look at it um and the the, the there's always been a disconnect for me a very strange disconnect where the Dreamcast for me will always be orange. <laughs> yes, I. Because, you know that's how I was introduced to it. Remember the Edge magazine, you know that you were talking about. Sega Saturn magazine had the little, the little Dreamcast cut out in the corner, which much like the, the Japanese games do have. Uh, my Dreamcast box, my my Dreamcast console, the games I got. Everything was orange, and then yeah, when I was sort of hearts, when I started looking at the Western stuff, I was like, oh. It's blue, right? They've had to change it, but it's not the same. <laughs> Do you know the one thing? This is 
So sad, right? The one thing that irks me about the Western consoles. Conan. See above the LED? See that tacky, cheap, grey bit of plastic? On the Japanese console, it's a glass effect plastic. I think they've got a silver bit of kind of paper underneath a see-through transparent bit of plastic and it looks like reflective glass. Do you know what? I've never noticed that. I've got two Dreamcasts in front of me now and you're spot on. I've never noticed it. Yep. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a horrible, cheap, solid, grey bit of plastic. But on the Japanese consoles, it's it's definitely a bit of silver paper underneath a transparent bit of plastic. And yeah. that, that kind of reflection makes it look like glass. Just it beautiful does. kind of premium look. Yeah, looking at it now, it's it's night and day. I don't know why I've not noticed it before. But yeah, it's just a grey bit of plastic on the power machine mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. Japanese one. And this is my original Japanese one I've got in front of me now. It is clear clear plastic and it does look, it's, again, it looks like a premium bit of clip kit. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually considering looking at that site that you use to try and get a cheap Japanese console, yeah. and, and just basically gut it and just put my my mods inside the, yeah. the Japanese one. Yeah, if you can get one for cheap, mate, it's probably the way to go. I mean, I'm lucky that mine's lived on. Um, half. I mean, yeah, it's 23 years old this month. Never, still reading discs. Uh, it hasn't got its original PSU anymore. I think. Uh, someone plugged the, uh, the the mains cable directly into the back of it and blew the Japanese PSU. Um, so from about 2002, 2003, it's always had a, 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 a power PSU in there. But aside from that, uh, and the just the fix around the fuse on the controller board, it's just a trooper, mate. <laughs> Have you ever opened it up? Yeah, loads. Um, oh, you've changed the PSU. Obviously, you've opened it up. Um, did you clock what the fan looked like? Because I wonder if you had the the one with the large metal fan with the, the heat sink pipes that ran underneath the motherboard. Do you know what, mate? I'm not sure. Um, do you know what? I'll probably just open it up again in the, uh, this week. <laughs> I'll take a look. I'm curious it'd be, now. be interesting to see if it... Because the, the one I had... I mean, with it coming in the big orange box, I'm, again, I hadn't opened up that one, but I'm pretty sure that that one that I had would have been early enough to have had that big giant metal fan, which had the kind of multiple pipes that ran off uh, and underneath each of the kind of processors and the, the CPU. So I just wonder if you kind of got yours at a bit kind of similar time to myself as well. There's every chance that the model you've got has probably got that in it as well, which again, yeah. they're, they're, they're quite rare. Yeah, I might have a look. I mean, mine had a different box to yours, so I think mine was second or third wave in terms of Japanese model. Oh, yours uh, is the white, the white one, isn't it? Yeah, I've got the white one, yeah. yeah. Have you got a modem on the back of yours? I don't, actually. So it's mine... I, so that's, if I remember, the Japanese consoles came in an orange box, and I think the Hong Kong consoles came in a white box, and they didn't have a modem. They had, like, a, a Terminator module. Yeah, it because, may, yeah, it may be that I've got a Hong Kong machine. It's, again, they're, they're not very common. I don't think those ones in terms of because there's no there's no modem. It's just a blank block on the back. Yeah, um, I mean, as we'll probably come on to later, um, I never attached the modem to my Japanese console. Um, it wasn't until later that um, well that I picked up a power console. But yeah, I never I never went online with my Japanese system. Um, it was yeah, I just had that Terminator modem. Yeah, I mean, even in terms of whatever. I would. I got a PAL copy, a PAL console later on, kind of dirt cheap, just 
was like, we might as well just get one because we were going that cheap. It was, I had a, a very quick shot of, of kind of choo-choo rocket, but that was about as much as I dabbled with with the, the online stuff. Um, but that's kind of get into the next bit. And what was the other game, mate? You mentioned uh, two? Yes, Power Stone. Yes. Um, and you couldn't help but immaturely laugh. Fucker! <laughs> Honestly, I, I remember picking up and I just looked at my mate and I was like, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> Obviously, he was, fal- he was Falcon in the West, but <laughs> just the, 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 the announcer, Fucker versus Walton! <laughs> yeah, it makes me miss because obviously I had the Japanese version. I've only got a power version of it now. I remember that. Oh, uh, I miss it. But power, it's it's funny because Power Stone was what February, so that was already out. Yeah. When mm-hmm. our system. Yeah. Again, that's another one I picked up second hand later on. Yeah, same here. Uh, I got it again later. I think uh, around the same time as as Virtual Fighter Three. Again, it was because people were trading theirs in to get hold of Soul Calibur. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and I was behind the times on that. I, I, I wanted those ones, and I was on a budget. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, great memories there, mate. But uh, I think now we'll move on to the onto the Western launch. We all play games. Why don't we play together? Dreamcast, up to six billion players. So the Western launch, then, for me, we'll get onto. Well, for me, it. it it was kind of happening in the background and I was acutely aware of it. But what are your memories of the West? I think you've got better memories of it than I do, don't you? I mean, as I said, I remember the kind of the tournaments that were held in HMV regarding kind of Sega Rally or Sega Rally 2. And it was, they were held maybe a month or two before launch. It was like regional heats. Everybody, you know, who at the best times went and played the grand final and the winner would win a Dreamcast and like a year's supply of games or something like that. I don't know. There was a big Dreamcast related prize. Um, and obviously kind of going into the city centre every kind of weekend, either with my mates or with my uncle and kind of going around the kind of tech shops, you started to see, you know, kind of posters getting put up in like electronic boutique and the kind of the, the pre-order, big blue pre-order poster with the, the picture of the console on it. Um, and then the demo pods started to come in, those lovely blue and white demo pods. Um, but it was strange to see blue. You know, yeah. it, it really was because I didn't really... I mean, you still you still picked up your copies of Edge. You know, if you subscribe to Edge at that time, I picked it up every month. Um, you still kind of obviously read your, like your CVG, um, things like that. But you, you kind of, you weren't, overly focused on the Western launch. It wasn't any, you had no real need to, to pay attention to it because you had one, you know, it was like, oh, people are finally getting what we've been playing for months kind of thing. Um, and again, I don't specifically remember the actual launch day um, because even at that, people that I knew eventually got like Japanese consoles as well. Um, Sam's cousin Ronnie got a, a Japanese console as well for Charlie. But the, the memories I've got, kind of the PAL launcher, obviously that that tournament with the HMV then, and then just seeing the, the various kind of parts of, of marketing popping up um, right about the kind of the city centre. Uh, I remember the the Dreamcast magazine video. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, and, and was talking to a boy on Twitter and I was utterly convinced that the one that came with the Dreamcast magazine had a, a sleeve, a cardboard sleeve with a barber on it. 
but he said it just came wrapped in, in cling film inside a foil bag. Um, and I was kind of doubting him until they sent me a picture of three sealed copies of it. And I thought, well, <laughs> take your medicine, James, because <laughs> you've just been proven wrong. The boys got three copies there. But uh, it turned out that if you pre-ordered a Dreamcast, you got that video. But you got right. it, you got it in a, a white plastic VHS detail box with the sleeve with the barber on the front of it. But for some reason, I keep remembering that bloody cardboard sleeve with the barber on it, and I don't know why. No, I've got the same memory as you. I feel like I was going to say then, if you're going crazy, then so am I. I have the same memory, the same plastic sleeve, the same cardboard sleeve, not the full plastic case, yep. but the cardboard yep. sleeve. Very bizarre, mate. Uh, very strange, but yeah, I have the same. I have the same memory of it. Because uh, I mean, the, the video itself, there was two versions. Um, I think the one that came um, with the, the the actual magazine um, had a different voiceover. I think the the one that came as part of the pre order was it one of the Sex Pistols, Malcolm McLaren. All right, there you go. Um, who I believe is sadly passed away now, but there was two different versions of that. So you've got the kind of the, the one that came with the magazine that had the, I believe had the kind of younger guy's voice and then you had the, the Malcolm McLaren one which came with the pre-orders. But I, I remember watching that and it sounds really weird, but it, it didn't feel like the system that I owned. Yeah. And, and that disconnect that you talk about, that, that definitely existed. You know, Sega bring you your key to interactive multiplayer gaming. Get a <laughs> get a life and get a Dreamcast. <laughs> and then it was just like, I mean, it was it was a, a, a slick production video. It really was. Um, it highlighted the technology and and it was it did everything that the Saturn failed to get from Sega in terms of just show some bloody gameplay. You know, market the thing, um, which is kind of. A bit ironic that uh, in in America they didn't tend to show too much gameplay. It was all very much based around that it's thinking, that kind of subliminal, you know, show the swirl and you know try and go back to a more dare I say Genesis style, you know, kind of marketing, which I don't think really worked that well. I think the only kind of gameplay style element that they had in in America was the. It was meant to be inside the console when you had like, all the characters all kind of partying away and. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, but apart from that, I don't think there was much in terms of gameplay. So that that kind of UK video was really good because it just it rattled off, you know, game after game via genre. So you did get a kind of a, a feel for just how much was was coming at you, um, just because of that delay, that year gap. There was just so much content getting flung at you. Yeah, no, I I didn't actually see the video until years later um uh, on youtube so that's how how late i saw it i, I knew people that owned it uh, knew people that had the mag but i never actually saw it I, I, that's why i've got memory of it being in the in the cardboard case mm-hmm. i never actually owned had it myself um because i didn't subscribe to any dc mags at that point uh, i didn't buy any i was still getting cmvg i think was my primary magazine that i'd pick up because there was there's obviously the connection between you know cmvg me machines and official sega magazine that's sega mm-hmm. Saturn magazine um so i defaulted back to cmvg um and yeah i was keeping an eye on the games but i wasn't i wasn't that aware of the of the launch i'd seen the preview copies of the dreamcast magazine um and then 
it wasn't until I'd spoken to a few friends um, and I, they had people that they knew that went out on launch day, um, which was kind of a, a new thing then. <laughs> I didn't know too many people that owned a console on launch, but they'd all pre-ordered and got consoles on launch. And I was like, oh, you've got one of those dream cars, haven't you? It's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, he went and got one on launch the other day. So it's it, that's when it sort of became a bit more a bit more real that this it was over here now, over in the in the UK. And it was it's quite funny because it was gaining so much traction at that point. It felt like I remember thinking, well, I don't remember this many people owning a PlayStation. Uh, definitely oh certainly not a Saturn, you know, this early <laughs> launch. <laughs> um I was reading things in CMVG about how much of a success it had been in, in the in the States and uh over here and it was selling out and breaking sales records. Um so even though, you know, there was the slight disconnect with the the, the the you know the 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 image that it had over in the UK. I remember the launch because people were getting them. Uh, people were talking about them. I remember going to the Millennium Party, uh, my local one, where I was talking to schoolmates, and they said, "Oh, have you got Soul Calibur?" I was like, "Oh, I don't," because at that point I hadn't really it hadn't really been on my radar. I'd seen that it'd been reviewed well, but I was still you know VF3, um, Power Stone, and Marvel versus Capcom. And so you need to get it. But it was like you know. This thing that I'd that we'd, I'd been playing, I'd been waiting, you know, over a year for at that point, it finally made its way over, and it was, I was seeing things that I wish I'd seen when I had a Sega Saturn, you know, people <laughs> buzzing about it. So yeah, it was that's that's my main memory is just it's just people in that at the end of 1999 picking them up. A lot of friends got them, a lot of a few, as I say, a few at launch. A load got them for Christmas. Um, some actually got asked for it for Christmas off the back of playing my one. Um, it felt like Dreamcast fever had taken over. That's the thing as well, though. It baffles me why Sega didn't use clips from the the promo videos that they gave away for actual adverts on TV or in cinema, because obviously we had the Barber advert, right? Then we had the other advert that was, I think, themed around Sonic, where it was in an office and there was like people running downstairs trying to beat each other. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I remember "Let Me Entertain You" by Robbie Williams, and it was, I it was like you know we all play games. Why don't we play together? You know, and then they had the the up to six billion players, which got banned for yeah <laughs> for false advertising. Probably um, only exec reported it. <laughs> I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, would you? No, you know, let's be honest. Um, but it just seemed a bit kind of strange that you know again we just spoke about how in America they had gone down that kind of trying to be lifestyle route, um, you know, with the, the kind of subliminal messaging, with the swirl and its thinking and all that. And then over here, they they kind of teased the system with an absolute deluge of gameplay. But then when the machine came out, they chose to, you know, do these really... I don't know, they were just daft adverts. They just didn't, they didn't sell the system at all. They were abstract, weren't they? Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've seen the videos of what a success it was in, in, in the US and the West, and I thought, that's it, Sega are back now. Um, and that led to, well, was inarguably the Dreamcast best year. And to be honest, in my opinion, one of the best years for any console ever mm-hmm. in 2000. Um I don't know what your highlights are for that year, but for me, the first two that come to mind are Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi in the early stages of that year. I think they both came out in the first half. And did you have the the Crazy Taxi 
uh, case was, you know, just yellow and very similar to the PAL one. I don't know if you played Japanese version. Yeah, of this. had that. What what a brilliant front cover! It's the, absolutely outstanding, mate. The, the 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 graffiti and the the kind of the actual artwork for the logo is very finely hidden and amongst the the, the rest of the graffiti. It's oh, it's obviously it says Jet Set Radio in, in Japanese as well. So, um, uh, it's just a a beautiful the kind of the greens and the reds and, and the yellows and all that. Just it's oh, it's a a beautiful beautiful cover. It's absolutely gorgeous, um, and the the CD is like a record. <laughs> That's right, aye, aye. Yeah, um, and I've got the power version now, and the Western version of Jet Set Radio actually has a lot more content, doesn't it? it has more songs, and I think it has an extra stage or something. There's mm. other changes, like you've got the the milliseconds on the on the counter, which you know, a bit of a visual aid, I guess. Um, and even though the Japanese version has less content. I'm desperate to get that version back. And I know it's it's so shallow because it's just, you know, <laughs> because of how it looks. But again, oh it's, 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 it's to get, I guess, getting back, you know, that that, that you once had, you know, it's, you, you owned it before. So um, if you're working there, obviously get your hands on it again. And I don't imagine it'd be too expensive to pick that up. Unfortunately, it is. It's is not, it? It's not cheap, no, because... Obviously, uh, the game, I don't think it's sold as well in Japan. And obviously, the Dreamcast didn't perform well in Japan, uh, certainly not to the levels that the Saturn did. So those versions of it are a little bit harder to come by. Wow. Because when I got my, my package from Japan recently, um, that was one of the things that I was um, trying to get my hands on. And <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. So they, they first half of 2000... Uh, they were my highlights as far as as far as new games are concerned. I was picking up quite a few at that point, but those two those two stick in my mind. I think I paid fifty quid for Jet Set Radio, so I think I bought it brand new off the back of the hype for it. I I mean that that as well in terms of a, a new a new type of gameplay as well, a new visual style. You know the the whole cell shading thing as well. You'd never seen anything like that. No, that was it. Um, the whole you know it's so fresh and new on so many levels i mean the, the the whole visual style the music um the fact that it was inline skates and graffiti <laughs> it's just like <laughs> where, where had you seen all this sort of stuff before um in one game uh it just looks so cool and uh yeah it's one of those ones it wasn't too too many that i was able to afford like brand new but that was that was definitely one of them um so crazy taxi i think I, I don't think it was that much cheaper because that was another one you know when that landed that was like a tsunami and again just an outpouring of affection for that game i think from the game and press i mean that's strange that jet set radio didn't do well in japan that's yeah that's really strange you know it's, yeah you would think it was perfectly suited yeah, as well not, to, to that to that market just the kind of the, the visual style the music the setting everything about it just kind of the fact it was kind of quirky as well original just it, it, it screams a perfect kind of Japanese console game as well. I know, it just seems cursed, that series, sometimes. I mean, I think it did well in the re- in the West, but obviously, as a whole, the Dreamcast didn't do particularly well over there either. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot of Japanese games that are really cheap, but that one, it's not it's not wildly expensive, as we've just seen, but it's, it's, it's for some reason, it's not as cheap as the other one. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an odd one. 
but yeah, it's um, stunning how it looks. But um, what other games before we get into the second half of two thousand? What were your early two thousand sort of pickups then, or what are your memories from that era around the Dreamcast? Um, again, I was just sticking to imports, mate. I, I very, I never paid any attention to what was going on with the PAL market at all. Um, I mean, I didn't pick up a PAL console until they were dirt cheap, as I say, just to to basically to have one, just to sit alongside the Japanese one. So, I mean, memory-wise, it's quite vague as to what I was buying at what time. Uh, but, I mean, I remember getting Crazy Taxi, obviously. Um, as I said, I got that second-hand 35 quid. Uh, I got Jet Set Radio, F355 Challenge. I know late 2000 was MSR. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the second half of 2000 was insane for for new releases. Um, and that's where things changed a little bit for me. Because I was all about the Japanese games. I was still buying a bunch. I, I was getting stuff like a Giant Grand All Japan Pro Wrestling 2. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom. Capcom vs. SNK. Uh, Capcom vs. SNK. Um, but there was one game coming which necessitated hmm. I play it, in, play it in English. <laughs> and that was Shenmue. Yes. And I remember it was Game Station. I got my copy on launch. Uh, and I saved up, God, must have been about 60, 70 quid from, from working. And um, obviously, still uh, working part-time, still, I think, I mean, I mean, I think I'm either in sixth form or I'm still in the, my last year at school at that point. But um, yeah, I've gone in, I must be in sixth form, but I've gone in with 70 quid, you know, enough to buy Shenmue and a DCX. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um I think my I think my Japanese Dreamcast had a fit when it gets to the selection screen. Uh, what frequency? So you had to somehow set it to sixty off the top of my head. I can't remember how I did it. Is uh, but yeah, it was when you get to your frequency select. I remember it had a bit of a it went a bit weird, but yeah, I had to go through that every time I booted Shenmue up. Uh, but it was all completely worth it. <laughs> do, do you remember the the issue of DC UK that came with an action replay? disc on the cover and it actually I, it doubled as an import disc it actually let you play imports no oh well i know of it and i've seen obviously i've seen it mentioned all these times so many times um it, like since then i mean it's, it's highlighted as one of the big downfalls of the dreamcast especially since you know they they provided the disc and didn't really know the consequence of it that you know that it was a, it would let them play import games um it was just this is a cheap device i think wasn't it and then it was really like they realized you could play imports but then the real killer was that you could play backups of using it um and that ended up to, to the dreamcast magazine getting uh they got blacklisted by Sega, didn't they <laughs> they didn't know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they had to get games from other from other sources like sister magazines and other journalists and everything like they've reviewed games to review because they would say they wouldn't send them anything i mean i know i know that disc goes for a pretty penny as well now yeah it does a few of the official um region discs like the like the uh dcx and there's a few others they if you try and get the official versions they're um they they're not cheap i mean they're not expensive but they're not they're not cheap i mean dcx is pretty i think i saw it go for about 30 quid the other week i was like whoa I just use uh, my burned code breaker for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, in, in terms of Shenmue, um, that that was a game that again, my, myself and Sam had just perfectly timed. Um, 
being in, in Charlie's whenever the delivery came in. Um, and obviously the copies of Shenmue, but they came in um, and he, he rushed over and he, he loaded this up. Um, and, and I remember the two is just standing again, that same left-hand corner, just staring up at this little screen uh, in absolute awe. Um, watching that that initial sequence as, as Landy confronts um, Rio's father and uh, ultimately, you know, kills him, and you see Landy's eye scanning the, the environment and the, the 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 kind of crinkles in his cloak as he walks, and just the the sheer level of detail. And I always remember that uh, whenever that part came. Whenever obviously Landy walks over and he picks up Ryu's father and the, the music kicks in, it gets all dramatic. And Charlie just stands up behind his desk and goes, Lord Sega has spoken. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Charlie had a, a soft spot for Sega as well. I just remember him standing up shouting at, Lord Sega has spoken. Uh, he, was, he, he was declaring Dreamcast the winner. That was it. Um, before anything else had came out. And again, that was just a level above anything you had seen. But again, it kind of hard back a wee bit to the Project Berkeley disc, because obviously, you know, Project Berkeley, Virtual Fight, and RPG, Shenmue, they're all kind of fall. They're all it's an evolution of the the, the kind of series. Um, obviously, Project Berkeley and Virtual Fight or RPG would become, you know, Shenmue Ryu is apparently based on Akira. Um, so. You know, his moveset's very similar, the kind of scar and all that as well has been talking about. So uh, it was just insane seeing a game of that that level of detail, that level of realism at that time. Um, and again, I didn't, I didn't buy the Japanese version, but I know Sam's cousin Ronnie bought the Japanese copy and they played through it, <laughs> not knowing an a word of it. I'm like, how the hell have you managed to play that? Oh, just, that'd be hot going bundling your way through it <laughs> you know just <laughs> but I, again they just they just had to play it they just had to have it indeed mate lord sega had spoken i mean <laughs> <laughs> but what a year it was um i couldn't afford everything that was coming out then because it was coming so thick and fast and there's so oh, many i missed crazy um i mean i didn't get metropolis street racer two or later i didn't get a friend of mine got fantasy star online and was showing me that i was like oh, i wish i had a modem <laughs> for my japanese dreamcast i'd be playing this um i was going yeah it was absolutely crazy mate and i was still getting so much mileage out of the out of the games that i'd already had got um it's absolutely insane and it was yeah it was just great gaming memories there i mean these days you know um you and you're like me you have a few consoles on the go you know you've got your set your free sega ones or your xbox that you alternate between them all but i just remember playing nothing but 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 dreamcast and you know everyone knows what a massive sega saturn fan i was i mean 2000 was the year of the dreamcast for mm. me and it felt like when you saw this deluge of outstanding games in 2000 capped off by shemu i really thought that's it you know uh, how how could they lose for here? How could they? <laughs> you know how 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 could no one be? How could people not be buying this? You know, yeah. what, but as as we found out, obviously, you know, all all Sony had to do was release even a, a hint of any PlayStation Two related news, um, and it was enough. It was enough to make people hold off. Um, 
and uh, the tweet I put out, <laughs> it was triggered by something I had read in a timeline. It was about Sony and, and lies and stuff like that. And it was uh, Sega fans when Sony said the PS2 would do Toy Story level visuals um, and, and Star Wars pod racing in real time. And it was Eddie Murphy for Raw. So, <laughs> stop, you lying motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing that one, mate. <laughs> you know, was, but that, that's all they did. It was just, it was very much, you know, all they had to do was just a little bit of information, a little, a little lie, and a little kind of, you know, a, a leak, a controlled leak, and it was enough to make people hold off. Yeah, it was, mate. Because um, they had, um, I can't remember her name. Is it Nyoko or you know the the girl from Ridge Racer rendered in it was CG graphics when they were saying it was being rendered in real time. Mm. <laughs> you know you need the, you needed the Carl Pilkington bullshit detector, didn't you? <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, again, that's all they had to do. Um, and I think at that time, even though the PlayStation One had been wildly successful and people were excited for PS Two, I, th- I still think. At the price point, even allowing for not having DVD, you know, PlayStation 2 was very much a a DVD Trojan horse in the way that PlayStation 3 was the the Trojan horse for for Blu-ray. But at at $199, you know, and with the quality of games that you've mentioned there, how, again, why were people not buying this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the PS2 was just too adoring, I think, and because it was a Trojan horse for DVD, as you said, it doubled up as a cheap DVD option, which is a, a shame because you know, and you see people, and ironically, it's mainly PlayStation fans these days that say it's all about the exclusive first party games. Um, the Dreamcast, you know, if you look at the first party games for any of those consoles from that generation, whether it's Xbox, GameCube, or PS2, I think you could put the other three together and they wouldn't have as many first-party exclusives mm-hmm. in their first two years mm-hmm. as the Dreamcast. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, sad, mate. But, I mean, as I say, we're here to celebrate the life now. But, obviously, we're coming to that point, aren't we, where we've got Shenmue, each of us, at the end of 2000, moving into 2001. Um, and... Yeah, and little did we know that there would be uh, an announcement that would that would change the course of the of the console and Sega forever. Mm, yeah, the the announcement of the the lack of sales, um, the the hemorrhaging of money, the fact that you know even with Sega Net subscriptions and trying to kind of subsidise the console and give it away that people just weren't taking it up, um, and obviously the announcement of that on thirty first of March. 2001 that worldwide production of the Dreamcast would cease um, and Sega would immediately move into the the realm of becoming a, a major third-party publisher, which is yeah. where they are today. It's where they are today. But as we know, and, and as any Dreamcast fan who's followed the system will know, that that wasn't really the death of the system. It was kind of its its new lease of life, as it would live on in a different way as we move on to the to the afterlife section. As I say, I mean, obviously, Sega themselves would live on by moving on to, you know, to, to Xbox and PlayStation Two in terms of, you know, actually you know, becoming a, a massive third party publisher and, and that deal that they had made, you know, with Xbox for multiple titles to to become Xbox exclusive, while while Sony got their 
the hands on the proverbial crown jewels when it came to Virtua Fighter. But you know, Dreamcast itself as a system, um, the the community it's got, the passion for it, whether as I said, you know, earlier on, whether it's you know people that are collecting for it, or whether it's people who are supporting the indie scene, or you know, folk like myself who are I feel as if I'm one by one getting people to to mod their systems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the the last Dreamcast games in Japan were were supported until like 2006, which is phenomenal. And a few of the games were were indie, but then we had a fantastic homebrew scene. I mean, we had the very beginnings of that start to manifest um, quite early after after its uh, ceasing of production. I think it was in a few years. I think we'd seen a couple of you know more indie titles um i think i vaguely remember there being all sorts of websites for people doing homebrew stuff very basic stuff at that time but yeah it's it's amazing how it still lives on um because we had the indie titles um of course we were talking about the dream the the dream pie you're talking about the gdmu um it's such a massive community behind it now and amazingly, games are still being released on it in one way or another. <laughs> That's it. They were saying there was more exclusives released for, for Dreamcast in 2020 than there was for, for Xbox or PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. I think that was Dreamcast Junkyard that said that. Uh, it's like, you just imagine Dreamcast is sitting there like Mr. Bean and that gif just sitting in the car sticking the fingers at the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's got, it's, it, I mean, it's got a bunch of, ports that you know that's gone through the kickstarters um xeno crisis is a big one this year and then you've got stuff like the the atomis wave game that's crazy that stuff it's unbelievable um I, i've run a few of them uh on the gdmu and it's it's mental um i think some games have been updated to allow you access to change the settings because i think i played the was it king of fighters christ what number it is can't mean what number it is that's on the Thomas Wave, but two thousand three, uh, I think it is. I there's no difficulty setting, so you you get your ass kicked <laughs> if you if you don't play King of the Fighters games and you don't know what you're doing, then you're you're gubbed. Um, some of the games I think they are going back in and, and adding in like kind of difficulty selectors to to allow you to kind of make it a bit more playable. But I'm sitting there going, can anybody? Maybe reverse engineer the Naomi board and give me Virtue Fighter for a please. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, we can dream. I mean, it's the Naomi two is basically the Naomi with an extra S eight four. Is it not? I think so. Yeah, it's only slightly more souped up. It's like the Sega Saturn version of the Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Throw another CPU in there. <laughs> Uh, that'll do. Fire that in. <laughs> but yeah, if we could have Naomi two ports, that'd be amazing. But even without, even without that, mate. I mean, I love that it's so beloved uh, still today. Um, just the community around it, the the people that are p- pushing these ports onto it. Um, obviously, on on Twitter, we see a lot of people when they do these kickstarts, they pick up the the Sega Dreamcast physical copy. Um, and there's just you know we're we're celebrating it on the Sega guys, and we're probably guilty of not giving the Dreamcast enough love. But there's so many other, as we hinted at the beginning, there's so many other uh, podcasts and shows and people that that absolutely love the love the system. Um, 
and you know we've even got Dreamcast Year Two coming out. Um, after Dreamcast, we had obviously had Andrew on uh, earlier this year. So it's uh, it's you know what they say in Soul Calibur: the legend will never die. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the, the biggest tragedy of of Dreamcast for me is that I look at that little box and I think what's in there that was never tapped because as much as these indie developers are releasing games um, some of them don't look kind of up to and you would expect that they don't look up to the kind of the, the spec of like what Sega themselves or Capcom or you know any of these kind of actual you know major developers with access to you know great income to, to, to push their projects but just what what was that box capable of? We all see what happens whenever, you know, a system gets into year three, year four, year five, and developers, they know how to nip and tuck here and there and get a wee bit extra performance out of that and save some memory here and put it towards this. And Dreamcast never got to, to experience that. So what what potential is inside that box that we will never, ever see? And that, that annoys me because yeah, as great as the games are that we were left with, they're just, there's still so much in there that we'll never get to experience. 100%, mate. I mean, we talked about having two full years between when we picked up ours and when ultimately uh, production ceased. Um, I mean, from the Japanese launch, it was only three and a bit. Is it three? Yeah, not even three years, was it? Um, so... <laughs> It's it's tremendously sad when you think the Saturn suffers a little bit as well, but the Saturn did have almost four full years when you go from from launch till you know the, its final days in Japan. But the Dreamcast just didn't get that time. And if you think that it's doing something like Shenmue in year two, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what what was it capable of doing? Yeah, and year three we've got stuff like Headhunter. Um, you know, as one example of a game that the PS2 doesn't perform as well on. You know, these are games that this PS2 struggled with. But so, yeah, how much more juice was left in left in the Dreamcast? Um, I don't know. Maybe some talented, talented uh, individuals or get cracking and give us something. One, I, I saw some sort of someone was trying to galvanize some some uh, uh, like people on a Dreamcast board to help him port GTA 3 which would be interesting but there's people out there with a lot of talent but it's it, the, the amount of work they're saying is just a phenomenal because it has to be a full rebuild of the game but I don't know some of these guys out there are so talented uh, you just think maybe one day but it is a crying shame that Sega themselves were never able to really get the most out of it, never had that opportunity Yeah but I mean it's as you said, there's there's still a vibrant community out there that are enjoying it to this day. There's there's people who are, are coming to it now. Um and it's it's kinda it's surreal, you know, to myself and probably to you as well to see people on Twitter saying that they've just picked up a Dreamcast. And I'm like, wow, it's like it, it's it's a system that we've got so much history with and and an affinity for. Um and it's crazy that that it's still managing to draw in new people even today you know in terms of playing just now i mean i've i've i was playing an awful lot of saturn um 
and I did say to you, I need to start giving the Dreamcast a bit of a bit of attention again. So um, I'd, I'd started was some MSR tweets were doing the rounds, and it kind of kick started. I was like, I'm, I'm going to actually get right into MSR again because I've I've not. I've not threw myself into that game in a long, long time. You're talking about 20, 20 years easy. Um, and I'm, I'm almost on to chapter 10 on that. And it's absolutely incredible fun to get around that. It's a shame that Bizarre Creations are no longer no longer around. Um, and the other game that I've started playing because of uh, Shane and his excellent uh, YouTube review, um, a game that I didn't get you know, back in the day and didn't touch, uh, is Headhunter, so I've, I've kind of started that as well. I'm in the kind of the, the early stages of that one, so that's the two Dreamcast games that I'm going between just now. Yeah, it's funny. I'm same reason. Um, and anyone and anyone who doesn't know Shane, it's uh, at Steady Sphere on on Twitter. But yeah, I've gone into Headhunter as well, uh, and that's one of my games to to, to beat this year. Uh, I'm very early on, like you, mate, I've just done the uh, done the first license and cruising around on my bike. <laughs> um, but it's a phenomenal, phenomenal looking game. It's so sharp on a on a HD display. Um, yeah, I still play mine a lot. A lot of fighting games of mine because I do love my fighting games. This um, bit's Power Stone Two, which I haven't played for an for an age. Um, but one thing I do want to do this year is replay Shenmue on on, a, on original hardware because last time I played it was the same year Shenmue Three came out, and I played that on the Xbox Three, uh, sorry Xbox One. Um, I just love to play it with the original original Dreamcast pad and the original console the way I did uh, over twenty years ago now. Um, it's just crazy where the time flies went. But again, mate, it's probably just us being old bastards. But well, we are uh, old bastards, mate. Well, we are old bastards. But yeah. those those two years with the Dreamcast, two or two 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 to three years of the Dreamcast, they I remember them more vividly than any console si- since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, only, only the three sixty probably comes close. Uh, everything else has just been. It's felt even though they've lived longer, their their impact feels like it's been lessened. And again, it's probably just because of perspective, and because I was you know in my formative years, I suppose, in my teenage years when I got my Dreamcast. Uh, but still, um, just memories I'll, I'll never forget. And that's why I've still got mine uh, set up now <laughs> and they still get a fair bit, fair bit of gaming time. Aye, um, incredible system. Um, just as you said, mate, those those two years, um, it, was, it went from being a, a model three arcade machine in the home to to being home to some of the most you know crazy original innovative titles that, that we had seen you know you're talking about Shenmue, talking about jet set radio you know somebody amigo you know get bass you know all, all these these crazy games um well some were arcade ports some obviously weren't um you know jet set radio and Shenmue. Um, and I, it's just it's great to see that you know the community is so thriving around it, and there is still people coming to it to this day. Absolutely, mate. So I think that that brings us to the end, or, or I suppose the story continues as far as as far as the Dreamcast are concerned. As I say, this is just uh, this, it was nice just to talk through our through our memories over this on our personal journeys through the console, which is it's, it's funny how how similar they are. And as you say, uh, there, there's people that have discovered it later there's people that came in maybe 99 for a specific game or 
they came out over to it from the PlayStation or, you know, missed out on the Saturn. Um, but it's funny how ours are so, our journeys were so similar through this uh, uh, it's, it's I think it's the, it's the one Sega system, I think, uh, that, as far as it's the only Sega system that I think has its own set of fans in terms of that. I think if you look at Saturn fans, Saturn fans are Sega fans, but I think there is actually there's there's an element of of Dreamcast fans who are they are just Dreamcast fans, you know they they maybe don't quite have that affinity for Sega and they exist in its own kind of little bubble, you know I think Dreamcast was quite unique in that it, it kind of managed to break away from its parent company and try and establish itself on its own pretty much the way with the Edge issue that they had originally planned, where the talk was that they wouldn't put Sega anywhere on the case. That's why the headline was Sega is dead, long live the Dreamcast, because at yeah. the New Challenge conference, there was no Sega logo at all anywhere. So, you know, while they did revert back and they would call it the Sega Dreamcast and they would put Sega on there, um, it still did, in a way, manage to carve out that niche that there are, Sega Dreamcast fans and there are Dreamcast fans um, uh, and it's both kind of coexist side by side. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, spot on, mate. I mean, you've got and that's what it needed really because, yeah, you're right, Saturn fans, I think Saturn fans, I've got people that came into the Saturn, you know, as their first console and fell in love with Sega and carried the, carried the flag for it since. Uh, or you've got fans that came from the last system on Mega Drive that went to the Sega Saturn but by and large they are Saturn fans whereas for the Sega Dreamcast it captured a lot it captured a lot of the more like general gaming community mm-hmm. which is what um, Sega were trying to do absolutely and that's what they wanted to do and it's they were almost there mate it feels like they were so close <laughs> Aye, they, they, had the, they had the system they had the games but sadly they just for whatever reason, people just didn't want it. I think everybody, everybody who who bought a Dreamcast, I think that US launch that Peter Moore stands there and unveils the biggest twenty four hours in in retail entertainment history. I think that day or that weekend, I think sadly everybody who wanted a Dreamcast bought one. Yeah, and then it dried oh, up. Hopefully. You know, yeah. it's just such a shame. It really is, mate. But um, it lives on now, you know, in a different form and as a as a different, you know, as a different symbol and, a, and is respected and loved in a very unique way. Uh, I believe in the in the gaming community. But um, yeah, it's uh, what a, what a journey. <laughs> so we hope you've enjoyed that, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only I'm only going to get the tissues. Oh, come on. It's, it's not dead yet. <laughs> the still, legend still... will never die. Exactly. We're still playing them. We're still loving them. And it's, you know, we'll throw it back to our listeners. We'd love to get to get in touch. You know, what's your favorite gaming memory with the Sega Dreamcast? Do you have one? Did you come into it late? Did you come into it as a Sega fan? Uh, did you import it? We'd love to hear your stories. Um, hope you've enjoyed listening to ours. If you want to get in touch, you can catch us at the Sega Guys. You can catch myself at swooper underscore D and you can catch James at the Sagaholic. But until next time, ta-ta for now. Cheers guys, thank you. <laughs>